So here we go then, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the flagship Kings of Anglia podcast. It's just me and Stuart Watson once again, just the two of us um, on fresh off a trip from Naples. And Stuart Watson's been preparing pre-season. The fixtures are out, Stu. How's things? We've got a lot to cover. Um, Heathy will be back next week, I assume. Um, but just you and me once again, my friend. Yeah, just the two of us, mate. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed your trip. How was it? It was bellissimo, as the Italians say. Um, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, saw a lot of family, ate a lot of food, a lot of pasta, a lot of mozzarella cheese, um, a lot of ice cream. I had ice cream for breakfast two days in a row. Um, so we woke up and we just went, should we just go for ice cream? It was hot. And I thought, why not? So that was my life for uh, a few few days. But yeah, it was a well-earned break. And uh, I'm ready now for pre-season, my friend. Uh, how's things with you? Well earned, if you do say so yourself. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I hope Mark's enjoying his uh, yes. remote stay on some Scottish island. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm holding it all together for us at the moment. Andy's left us. I'm, uh, I'm ploughing a lone furrow, but uh, at least things are starting to happen in the world of Ipswich Town now, which uh, makes things a little easier. It does indeed, my friend. There's a lot of news. When I was away, we signed a player. The fixtures got dropped. Um, we're going to cover all that in this podcast. And, of course, the podcast is proudly sponsored by Manscaped and Ginger Pickle. Shout out to Tony Southgate and the team there for all your marketing needs and uh, below-the-waist grooming for Manscaped. Uh, but, Stu, shall we talk about the sexy stuff then? Um, that dropped um, on Monday. Jack Taylor has signed for town um, from Peterborough United. A plan McKenna likes. Uh, bids rejected three times in January. Um, but now he's an Ipswich Town player. Your thoughts, my friend? Yeah, quite often you see in a set of quotes when a player signs that he's a player we've trapped for a long time, long-term interest. You wonder sometimes how genuine that is. Um, but in this case, it very much is. I think um, Andy first reported on uh, interest in Jack Taylor in, in the very early stages of last summer. Didn't come to anything then. Ipswich obviously signed people like Dominic Ball, eventually Panucci Kamara in that window. Then they went back very seriously in January for him. Barry Fry fairly recently has gone public in the fact that there were three bids rejected. Um, I understand that is correct. Um, Darren McAntony has said that Taylor actually had a, a tour around Ipswich and Portman Road back in January. So that's how close that got. But the, t the, the clubs couldn't agree a deal. Um, and finally, Ipswich have got, got their man. Um, I think the bidding in January, from what I gather, got up close to about about a million pounds. Um, Peterborough at that stage were holding out for as much as three and a half. So they were they were too far apart on, on fees. I think Peterborough were obviously thinking, let's see if we can get up as well, keep our best players. They told Jack that, stay with us for six months, see if we can get up and, and we won't stand in your way come the summer. And uh, of course, that's what's happened. Um, in the end, the fee for a player who is was going into the final year of his contract is pretty much on the nose, one and a half million pounds, which I, I think is, um, is a pretty good bit of business. Yeah, very good bit of business for a player who's been one of the best League One players, hasn't he, Stu? You know, 25 years of age, boxer, box midfielder, um, joined Posh, of course, from Barnet back in 2020. Uh, McKenna is a big fan. 
even the the posh owner, you know, Stu, in his little video on Twitter, which is it's sometimes always it's weird when I see them sort of videos because you're like it's the owner of a football club and he's just being honest and just saying about a signing which or a departure for Peterborough. But um, he is praised him highly. Um, your your thoughts on on Jack Taylor, Stu, because he's a player that I've liked for a while. Um, I've played in a championship before with Peterborough and um, played well against us. Um, of course, th- this year we did beat Peterborough in both of those games, but um, he's a player that's always stood out. Yeah, I'm not sure he jumped off the page in either of those two games against Ipswich last year. Certainly when Ipswich went to Peterborough and won 3-0, that was a, a pretty comprehensive victory of Peterborough as a team sort of disappointed me that day, given the, given the stakes. Can't really remember too much about the, the game at Portman Road earlier in the season, but he's clearly been one of the best players in, in League One during his, his time there, taken the step up. Is a classic case of someone who, who got let go by a big Premier League club in, in Chelsea as a, as a youngster and has rebuilt further down the pyramid in League Two and then latterly in the National League for Barnet. Um, Peterborough, their model is is to kind of take a gamble on, on those sort of players and pay a bit of money for them and, and turn a profit, which they've done again. Um, the only knock on him, I guess, is, is some slight injury niggles along the way. Hamstrings seem to have been a, a recurring theme. They've certainly sort of held him back in that one season in the Championship for Peterborough. Um, but beyond that, the quotes about him from managers and pundits alike are, are glowing. Um, box to box, a little bit of everything, quite versatile. So he could, I think he could play one of the deeper midfield positions, but could move forward into, into a 10 role if need be. Looks like he's got an eye for a goal. If you look at his highlights reel, there's some really good good goals from outside the box. Have a look at the one against Hull, which won their goal of the season award in the championship season. That's an absolute peach of a first-time finish from about 30 yards out. Um, and he looks like he's, he's quite a humble, grounded kid that's got a nice little bit of confidence sort of just bubbling under the surface as well, talking about coming here and I'm not a kid anymore. I'm ready to make my mark. I'm ready to kick on. Um, thinks that he's going to fit the style of play under McKenna. So, yeah, I think this is um, this is one that hopefully can can work out. Yeah, he looks like a footballer as well, doesn't he, Stu? He's got the haircut, he's got the tattoos, um, and he's a, that, that sort of midfielder you just like to watch. Um, where do you think he will fit, Stu? Because we know we've got a lot of midfielders. Uh, we'll get on to one player who's departed, one of the midfielders who's departed shortly. But uh, where do you think it will fit? You know, we've got there's a lot of challenge, a lot of competition there. But we've you know spent a bit of money on him. Obviously, he's going to be, you know, in the eye of starting possibly. Yeah, you would imagine so. Um, and we've not mentioned the fact that this is now the fourth player which has spent million pound plus on in the last two windows, or three windows with Davis last summer, um, Clark and Broadhead in, in January. Um, and now Taylor as well. Uh, feels like a long time ago that Ipswich were kind of living off frees and loans almost exclusively. Um, so when you spend that sort of money on a player, you would imagine they're in mind for a starting position. Um, Morsi and Luongo did superbly during the run to promotion. Massimo's obviously got a, a new one-year deal. Um, Lee Evans been a, been a bit of a forgotten man, is coming back into it again. So... It's going to be interesting to see which two start the opening day of the season. Um, 
I think Taylor's probably been recruited to add. McKenna keeps talking about sort of different qualities, different attributes, different dimensions to the team. Um, and I think Taylor is probably going to add a couple of different things that all of those midfielders at Ipswich have got maybe didn't necessarily had. And one of that is goals from a deeper midfield role. Um, there was a time where Morsi looked like he was going to start adding a few goals, but perhaps not his fault because he had to adapt his position because when Evans was out, I think he had to become more of that sitting midfielder. But I think Taylor is going to add a few more goals from a different area of the pitch. And I think he might be a bit of a ball carrier as well. You look at the different types of midfielders that Ipswich got, I think he's someone that can carry the ball and drive them up the pitch, which again, Sam Morsi can obviously do, but I think he's he's one that that um that might add a little bit more of that to um to that midfield unit. Indeed. Well, we shall wait and see. Jack Taylor, the first summer signing stew. Uh preseason is now up and running. The players are back. Um, what's your thoughts on the new training kit? I'm very 50-50 on it, really. I don't mind the the coaching staff one, but the players one, I don't know. What colour would you say it is? I'm, I'm very 50-50 on it. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Aqua. Ooh. Um, what else was it? Cyan. I had a little look at the blue colour palette and chucked some out there when it came out. The front is a lighter blue, isn't it? And then I realised the back panel is more of a, a teal or a, a bit more greeny, isn't it? Uh, with a with a sort of neon orange dash down the sides. Um, that's quite seems to have got quite a nice uh, quite a nice reaction on social media. Um, but we're waiting for the for the real kits, aren't we? Uh, Ipswich start their pre-season campaign at Felixstowe on Saturday. Um, from what I gather, they'll they'll be new, wearing the new kit uh, for that and there, there'll be some news leading up to that game. So uh, not much longer now to see those new new home and away kits. Yeah, bring it on. And um, later in the podcast, we'll do a little preview for the Felixstowe game because it's very similar to the Needham Market game last year. But um, let's talk about a departure then, Stu. Um, should we have a little sort of a few seconds of silence just for Mark Heath because um, the dream is over, my friend. So let's have a little pause. That's enough. Um, yeah, Rakeem Harper, Stuart Watson, uh, he has lot, um, left the club, a mutual consent FC. Um, your thoughts on that? You know, he arrived with so much promise, didn't he, from West Brom, um, had a great CV, but just didn't work out, did it? No, another Mark Heath nickname, curse strikes again. Had the crane train. What was Aaron Drynan's nickname? Drizzy. Did he have? Drizzy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Rakeem Harper. I guess when you make 19 summer signings, hmm. probability is that not all of them are going to come off and you're going to have some misses in there. Um, Scott Fraser was kind of the first to hit first to depart out of those six months down the line. Um, someone they paid money for and moved on. Rakeem Harper was kind of dragged out a little bit more, but equally, much like Scott Fraser, they didn't really find his role in the team um, at a time where it's not, I don't think it helped. It helped any of those players at that time that everybody was kind of settling in the area, getting to know each other on and off the pitch the manager was trying to sort of work out where they they were best suited in the same way that Scott Fraser was kind of shoe hit, shoehorned in on on the left side of that attack. 
Rakeem Harper was kind of being asked to play a slightly different role. If you look back at his his various quotes, he talks about being uh, in his career at West Brom and at loans. He's always played in a, a very traditional midfield three, describe himself as a as a number eight, or so you'd have one sitter and then two midfielders in front of them that had a bit of freedom to to get forward. Um, and then he comes to Ipswich and is one of two sitters in a, in Cook's four two three one, and it didn't didn't quite suit him. I think he was trying to get his he was trying to adapt to that new position, a bit more of a disciplined role. The whole team wasn't functioning as well. Um, and then Sam Morsey signed on transfer deadline day, which kind of pushed him out a little bit. And yeah, things just sort of conspired against Rakim. He obviously didn't help his own cause when some of the cup games then came along. Um, the two games against Oldham in, in the FA Cup, the game against Arsenal in the Papa John's Trophy when it was all starting to unravel for for Paul Cook and, and Rakim didn't really take his chance in, in those games. And it sounds like he hasn't really taken his chance in the two loan spells as well. Went to Crew. In hindsight, was that the best choice of club for him? They were battling relegation. They lost a lot of games, finished bottom of the table. You, you could argue that that could be a bit of sort of character building for him. Maybe that was designed to try and instill a bit more of the gritty physical qualities that, that he needs to go alongside the, the technical stuff that he's got. But that didn't really work out. And then X to last season, again, didn't really work out. I could see why they then send him to a, a team that wanted to try and play football, that actually had a pretty decent season, but he ended up not really getting too much game time there as well. So I think we said at the very start of this summer what might happen for him. And I, and I kind of mentioned that maybe this might be a mutual consent termination uh, situation as he headed into the final year of his contract. And, um, and that's how it's that's how it's panned out. Yeah, I was a big fan of him when he first signed, and I it was impressed by him in pre-season and the first few games. But um, yeah, just sadly, still, it just haven't worked out for him. Nineteen games in total, six league starts. Um, he's still only twenty-three, Stu. So he's got hopefully a long career ahead of him. You know, what's next for him, do you reckon? And how do you reflect on his time at town? I think what's next is probably another League One club somewhere. Um. He arrived with a lot of hype, didn't he? You know, he came former England youth international. He'd been linked to people like Juventus and Liverpool at the age of 19. Um, Premier League debut at 17, I believe. Um, and maybe that went against him a little bit. Like, like you say, you'll never know if he'd have come into a bit more of a settled group. Who knows if, say, Morsi had been in the building and he'd been partnered with a Sam Morsi from day one, for example. Maybe that's what he needed. Um, we'll never know. Um, but, yeah, sometimes things, you can just start to see a direction of travel with, with, a, with a move. It kind of uh, the tone gets set early on uh, and, and it's just, just not worked out for Rakeem Harper. So hopefully there's not too many more of those misses he's he'll have proved quite a costly one for Ipswich it was a transfer fee of around half a million pounds um he'll have been on a reasonable wage over the last couple of years they'll, they'll have had to kind of meet in the middle in terms of this payoff for, for the final year you would imagine um I doubt Crew or Exeter picked up a big chunk of his wages during those loans so all in all he's probably cost Ipswich more than a million pounds 
and ultimately you've got six league starts out of him. So uh, the American ownership won't be wanting to see too many more of those going forwards. Bit of a lesson learned there, but um, yeah, hopefully under Kieran McKenna, that the the recruitment now I think is. That was at a time where, if you remember, Mark Ashton was talking about having basically no recruitment team. He was building an aeroplane in flight, was his analogy. Um, obviously, the demolition man, Summer, had left them with a lot of work to do. Uh, everything's a little bit more settled now. Everything's a bit more methodical and, and planned out and, and forward thinking. So that will hopefully uh, limit a sort of uh, Rakeem Harper style flops financially going going forwards but of course we you know he seems like a really nice lad i spoke to him a few times when he first signed really positive character nice lad um and wish him well going forwards i hope he finds himself a new home and, and can can get his career going and fulfill that promise yeah definitely my friend well all the best to rakeem the dream Harper, um, the last, or I think the what we'll remember of him would sadly be the game against Colchester where he basically passed the ball when Colchester scored and we got knocked out of the, mm. the cup. And of course, the nickname that Mark Heath donned him. So uh, there we go, another one. He was oh. good in pre-season. You were right when he first signed. I thought he, he looked decent in pre-season. He was okay in those, in those first few games. And then it was that 5-2 home defeat to Bolton. Um, if you remember Paul Cook talking about There'll be no more performances like that when Sam Morsi's available. He'd obviously signed with that three-game suspension hanging over him from, from Middlesbrough. Um, and then I think Idris El Mazzouni got picked ahead of him. Tom Carroll got picked ahead of him in, in the next few games. And as I say, it just felt quite early on it was heading a certain way. Certainly when you, you sign a player and you decide a few games in that, oh, actually, maybe he's not that midfielder we thought he was cook talked about do you remember the lincoln game when they finally ended the winless start one one nil at lincoln and harper came on as sort of a number 10 in the latter stages of that game did really well i think he might hit the post or certainly was involved in some chances at the top end of the pitch helped them see the game out and he did quite well there but it, it felt like the writing was on the wall when you're kind of trying to work out what he is that early on into his ipswich career and i think judging by what people have said, you know, you've done some loan review videos with with people that follow Crew and Exeter regularly and, and a lot of the same sort of comments are jumping off the page. Like He does it in, in fits and starts and flashes and clearly there's a player there, but he's not consistent enough and we're not quite sure what he is. Um, and we seem, seem to still be having those same sort of conversations two years down the line. So hopefully he can, he can find the right club that, that uh, kind of works all those things out. Yeah, watch this space. We'll, we shall see what happens to Rakeem Harper. Um, well, Stu, let's move on to some sexy stuff. Um, a transfer link. Ellis Sims of Everton, 22-year-old forward, uh, was on loan at the first half of last season at Sunderland's. Um, reports of loads of teams interested in him, Stu. Yeah, thoughts on this one? Yes. This is becoming sort of the, the transfer saga of the summer so far for, for Ipswich Town. We've had people like Selina in the past. Ellis Sims seems to be the one that's going to rumble for a little while. I think it probably will rumble on. Famous last words. Um, we're recording this on Thursday the 29th. I think Everton are quite keen, as they were, was it last summer with Charleston to kind of sell somebody before the, the cutoff for the financial fair play deadline the accounts obviously that that is the 30th of june so that's that's tomorrow 
So whether that is Sims or somebody else, obviously there's talk about Pickford and Onana and, and others needing to be sort of cashed in by Everton. Um, but I don't think it feels like it's heading that way with Sims to kind of happen this week before then. Um, but there's a lot of clubs in the championship that need strikers or potentially are going to need strikers this summer. You look at all the clubs that have been linked with him. You've got Coventry, who are going to have to sell Jokeres, 21 goals last season. He's going to go for, for some decent money. Um, Blackburn are going to lose Brereton Diaz. Talk about him going to Villarreal. Stoke might lose Tyrese Campbell. Uh, Middlesbrough might lose Tuba Akpom. Swansea, Joel Piro, Piro, I don't know how you pronounce that. He's probably going to go for some, some decent money. Um, Leicester, Leeds, Southampton are probably going to be on the lookout for, for strikers as well when they lose people. So, um, yeah, Ipswich are up against it, whether it's Sims or others. I think they're all going to kind of be bumping into each other over deals this summer. Um, so that's, that's where we're at with Ellis Sims at the moment. There was a report earlier this week from a, a very uh, reputable Everton uh, sort of in the no account that's uh, that's got a very good track record um, to say that that a bid of um, 4 million from Ipswich had been rejected. Um, the information that, that I'm getting from Ipswich is it hasn't reached the bid stage. Yes, he's a player of interest. Yes, there's been discussions about him, but it's not certainly not hit a sort of formal bid process. I think there's a feeling inside the Ipswich camp that the football world knows that they've got the American money behind them at the moment and they get used a little bit sort of in, in games um, publicly when players are getting linked left, right and centre and talk about bids and, and things like that. So they're kind of holding their ground as they did with Jack Taylor. You see Darren McAntony talking about uh, he's enjoyed a bit of sparring with Mark Ashton and Luke Verhan, uh, Ipswich basically sort of called their bluff in the end and said, okay, we're out. You know, it got to the stage where they hit a bit of deadlock and uh, they said, no, we're, we're moving on. We've got other targets. And they did have other targets, but Peterborough needed some money and they came back to the table. So, um, yeah, a bit, bit of mind games, a bit of cat and mouse going on with this Ellis Sims situation. Uh, and I think it's probably going to rumble on for a little bit longer. Yeah, and of course he's a yeah Premier League player, Stu, because it's going to be one of those where you know it's exciting, but do you want to spend too much money on a player? You don't, I don't know, you don't want to go too mad. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's got a proven record in the championship. You know, he's played for Son last year, seven goals in seventeen games. Was at Hearts and Blackpool on loan as well. Did score? I scored in the Premier League, Stu, for Everton. Um, mm. Sort of played during that that run where they you know stayed up. Um, do you know much about him? He's six foot three, so he's a big boy. Not loads. He got that last-minute equaliser for Everton at Chelsea, didn't he? But then, uh, you know, Everton finished the season with Damari Gray sort of playing as a makeshift striker, which um, I, I think shows you that Everton have come to the conclusion that he's not a Premier League player, that Championship is is probably his level. You say he's proven at, at Championship level. That is based on a sort of a six-month period at the start of last season. Is that enough to be spending £4 million plus? On somebody, that's a lot of money. We shouldn't get blasé about about this kind of spending power that Ipswich have have got now. Um, so those are the things Ipswich have got to weigh up. On the on the flip side, they do need a striker. 
slash strikers. Um, with Hurst having gone back now, it's, it's Freddie Ladepo and it's and it's Joe Piggott. Um, and you could maybe chuck Caden Jackson in there as well, but I think he's kind of fully transitioned to that kind of wide forward role now, in my mind, Caden Jackson. Piggott will, will almost certainly move on. Um, so you don't really want to be going into the start of the season still kind of needing, looking for strikers um, and it getting close to deadline day. I think both Mark Ashton and Kieran McKenna will want to do some business sooner rather than later on, on the striker front. Um, but they'll, they'll have a few plates spinning. There's other options. All the eggs won't be in the Ellis Sims basket. Um, we'll see how the, the George Hurst situation unfolds, of, of course, as well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's obviously the, the main narrative now around this transfer window is is the striker that Ipswich, who, who are they going to get? Indeed. Well, watch his space as always, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, Stu, let's move on to some players departing on loan. Uh, Gasson had me, uh, of course, he's a striker, but he's gone to Cambridge in League One. And Corian Darby heads back to Scotland. I had a spell with Air United uh, previously, but now he's at Kilmarnock, uh, Stu. Um, I think this is his seventh loan spell, Corian Darby. So um, we had that conversation, didn't we, about keep loan sell. And I actually said sell Corian Darby, even though I'm a big fan of him, left-sided centre-half. Uh, another loan spell, uh, loan spell from Stu last year. He had spells at Burton and Fleetwood, uh, but this time around he's heading to the Scottish Premiership. Yeah, one of those loans makes more sense to me than the other. Mm-hmm. Gatana had me yeah. just up the road at Cambridge. You can keep a close eye on him. Um, I think their playing style, the way Mark Bonner talks about getting high balls into the box and for him to go and attack and He's going to hopefully get game time first and foremost because they've lost Sam Smith and Joe Ironside this summer. So that one makes sense to me. Um, you'd hope that there's still a, a future there for, for Gassan at Ipswich. He was signed as a bit of a project, of course. The foot fracture kind of made for a bit of a false start and and yeah, and and ended up going back to Burton last season where I think they just had so many lone players, they they were sort of juggling them to to fit five in the squad. So last season ended up being a bit of a write-off for, for Gassan, but hopefully he can get himself going again and show why Ipswich, you know, took took the punt on him. They did um last summer. Corey to Kilmarnock don't really understand that one, if I'm honest. He's been up to Scotland once before, miles from home. I think we sometimes underestimate the impact that has on a on a young player being far from friends and family on their own. Um, hopefully, he'll play a lot of football at centre-half because, as, as we've discussed before on this, he's ended up going to clubs and then ending up playing at left-back quite a lot, Salford. Um being a prime example where he did really well, but Ipswich want to develop him as this left-footed ball-playing centre-half. So um, I hope it goes well for him up there. They managed um, Kilmarnock by Derek McInnes, who um, Mark Ashton uh, worked with at Bristol City. So it might be a bit of a favour to to an old manager of his, sending Corey up there. I hope it goes well for him. Um, but people forget, you know, there's... Uh, it's it's difficult for these these young lads when they when they get sent sent out here here there and everywhere and as you say is it seven loans now yeah. for Corey that's um that's quite a lot so um 
he did sign a new contract last year, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how things pan out. I really like him every time I've seen him in bits and pieces in pre-season. He is that rare breed of a left-footed ball-playing centre-half that, that everybody wants in the game. Um, and I think I think there's a player in there for him. They just need to he just needs to get one of those 40 plus game seasons at centre half. And and I still haven't given up hope that, that he, he has got a future at Ipswich still. Yeah, because he still hasn't made his league debut, hasn't he? Uh, he's, he's made a couple of appearances, but yet to make that first senior league start for town. But uh, yeah, hopefully he has a good time at Kilmarnock and um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, in a way, I'm pleased these deals are getting happened now, though, Stu, because you know, we don't want them to be part of our preseason camp and then at the end of the day, you know, they're not going to be playing in the team. It's good that they're getting loaned out now. They can be part of the team they're going to go to on loan, be part of their preseason schedule. And then they can be up and running for the league. And as you said, hopefully Corey and Gassan as well can play week in, week out for their parent clubs, loan clubs, and play well, um, which will be good to hear. Uh, well, Stu, let's talk about one of your stories that you brought us this week uh, about Idris Al Mazuni. Three League One clubs are interested um, for a loan for Idris Derby, Cholton, and Wickham. Uh, tell us more, my friend. Loads of interest in, in Idris this summer, as you can imagine, after he played a starring role in Leighton Orient winning the League Two title last season. He, by all accounts, was was outstanding for them, has kind of changed his... We've kind of known him as a young Ipswich player, as a bit more of an attack-minded midfielder, but I think he's now become a little bit more box-to-box, played in one of those two two slightly deeper midfield roles, but with, with some licence to burst forward as well. Um Loads of praise for him, and as a result, loads of League One clubs uh, wanting to take him up a level. This year, Leighton Orient, I think, realised that they were probably priced out of it um, quite early on. Um, I know Plymouth even were having a little look at him at one stage, Oxford with Liam Manning, but the three clubs that have actually put loan bids in formally for him um, other ones that you mentioned, Derby, Charlton and Wickham. Um, so Ipswich, I think, have got to think very carefully about what the best fit is for him. I know where I think the best club for him out of those is, and that would be Derby, who I think with Paul Warren is not only a proven League One winning manager, but I think he's got a really good people skills. I think he's a good empathetic um emotionally intelligent modern manager that I think would, would be good for, for Idris. I think he'll be surrounded by some uh, some good senior players there. I see Curtis Davis has moved on but and and David McGoldrick's moved on, but Hurahane uh, and, and uh, others there at Derby that can perhaps sort of help mentor him and, and move him uh, along. And I just think they're probably out of those three clubs. They're the team that are most likely to... Um, to be in the mix to get promoted next season, Derby. Big crowds as well. You're getting him used to playing in front of 25, 26, 27,000 crowds, which ultimately is what you're trying to get him ready for if he's going to make it at Ipswich. Um, so we'll see where he ends up. Charlton in the middle of a takeover at the moment. A little bit of uncertainty surrounding them. They're probably going to lose a few of their, their main players. Uh, Miles Leeburn, Wickham. Uh, Matt Bloomfield, obviously manager there. So that's probably a bit of a, a link in terms of sort of knowing about Idris. Um, Matt had done some coaching around the Playford Road Academy while he was still playing at Wickham. So he'll be well, well aware of 
of Idris as well. But of those three clubs, Derby for me would, would be the best fit for him to try and really get him ready. Because much like Corey, I'm still really hopeful that, that Idris, even with the sort of the trajectory that Ipswich are on at the moment and, and the ambitions that they've got, I still think he could make it at Ipswich. I think, he, I think there's a real player in there, hopefully. Um, he's got that nice little bit of grit and an edge that you can't teach that sort of street footballer vibes that I think he's kind of learnt sort of playing in the in the cages of Paris sort of growing up and stuff like that. So yeah, hopefully they get they get the right club, the right fit for him and, and he's someone else that can kick on next season. Yeah, definitely. I like his story because he was found um scouted in like a French village and then uh yeah Paris village and then he came here and he's he's kicked on. Um, and of course, had a good spell with Leighton Orient last year still. Now, yeah, I agree with you. Derby sounds like the perfect fit. Although Wickham as well, because of the Matt Bloomfield. I think Scott Mitchell's also gone there, used to be at town, the, the recruitment side. Um, so yeah, just it needs to find a perfect place for him. I think Leighton Orient last year was perfect because they won that promotion, had a good team as well. Um, but yeah, I still have hope that Idris will kick on at town at some stage because I once again said, actually, let's keep him. Let's not loan him. Let's actually keep him at town and work with McKenna and co. But now Jack Taylor coming in and all the midfielders in front of, in front of him, yeah, it's going to be a lot of traffic to get by. But uh, another loan spell in League One will be ideal for Idris. So uh, we'll shall see. Well, Stu, um, we're back to pre-season game number one this weekend. Uh, down to the seaside, Phillipstone Walton FC, the home of Itchus Town women's side. Um, just like Needham last year, um, it will be two half an hour halves. Plus a penalty shootout. Are uh, you looking forward to this? Yes, I am. I really enjoyed Needham last year, the first game. A lovely community feel to it. It felt like everything that Ipswich Town should be in the county of Suffolk and surrounding areas. Sort of at the heart of the community, it kind of chimed with everything the club are trying to reconnect in terms of the foundation and, and having that sort of presence around, around the county. Um, it was really relaxed players kind of mingled with fans and autographs and selfies and um, it will be the same vibe I'm sure at Felixstowe at the weekend as you say it's a nice little thank you to to them for hosting the women throughout the season I'm sure they'll take a bit of money on tickets and bar sales and everything as well which is great um, I hope the penalty shootout is a little bit better organized than the, the one at Needham last season I was uh, I was watching it down one end and then hearing cheers at the other end, they were taking penalties in both goals at the same time. It got it got a little bit chaotic. Um, Cameron Burgess sent a rocket into the top corner. I caught one of those. Uh, Christian Walton took one like a goal kick that nearly broke the back of the net. Um, it it was quite a casual setting. Was it seven nil in the end? Ipswich won. Um, some some late goals. Needham. Needham were uh, I don't think they'd even started pre-season at that stage there was a there was a bit of a golf so it's it's a glorified fitness exercise isn't it um and a bit of a community feel before things really start to to ramp up and Ipswich will head off to Austria for their for their training camp after that yeah hopefully it's gonna be a nice day um I've been told there's gonna be a barbecue um sausages burgers all the bits a fan zone um, you know, sold out, Stu. So it's going to be packed to the rafters, the rafters at the HR Arena. Um, whoever got a ticket, enjoy yourself. Um, of course, Felix Stowe, as you said, I, I spoke to Stuart Ainsley, who's a Felix Stowe player, former academy player at town as well. It'll be a piece going out 
um, soon um, with a chat with him. And um, he said some of the players are not going to be available because they're on stag do's holidays. Uh, Stuart actually is injured because he actually got injured in a bleak test. So I think they're going to be to bare bones, but um, I'm sure they're looking forward to it because there's a lot of connections actually with a lot of the players because they were once in the academy or played senior games. Um, but yeah, it's just proper non-league. He was saying that some players <laughs> won't be available, even though they're like excited to hear the news they'll be taking on Ipswich Town. But uh, they had holidays booked, stag dudes booked. So yeah, even Jack Ainsley, Stuart's brother, a former town player as well, he's on holiday, so he'll be missing the game. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. I- It'll be interesting to see who's involved for Ipswich. There'll be a lot of, like you say, probably a different team in each half and then a few subs as well in the in the second half. I don't think, don't know if Jack Taylor's going to be involved. I don't think he sort of joins up for, for training until next week. So it's, it's probably unlikely he's just been away with, with the Republic of Ireland on camps. I think Nathan Broadhead will get a bit of extra time off having been away with, with Wales as well. So... Um, but yeah, it's just, hopefully the sun will be out and it's a, a day everyone can in, can enjoy. And it, it feels like, um, much like when the fixtures comes out, it feels like another sort of significant step towards the start of a new season. Indeed. And uh, there's a sweet shot there, Stu. So I'll get you a nice pick and mix. Uh, just get you ready for the game or after the game. I know it's going to be packed. The queues are going to be everywhere. But um, basically Stuart said, get there in good and out of time. Don't, don't you know, parking is going to be horrendous. So uh, best of luck with that, ladies and gentlemen. Best of luck with that, Stu, as well. But um, it's going to be a good day. And um, there's also been another pre-season game confirmed, uh, Maidenhead at Needham Markets, Stu. So another sort of local game for us. We haven't got to go to Maidenhead, which is good. But yeah, Needham Market will be hosting that game against the uh, non-league side. Yeah, back to Needham. Like I said, it was um, that were really good hosts last summer. So again, that that's nice. Um, yeah, Maiden Maidenhead are. I can't remember now. It's been a while since I looked. Are they National League or National League South? I can't remember. Um, so a slight step up in in uh, opposition. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all about just getting getting minutes in the legs. I'm sure you'll you'll hear that that yeah. um, that phrase uttered by manager and players alike over over the coming days. Definitely. And uh, one thing we haven't haven't covered, Stu, because um, we've been busy with loads of different stuff. It's just been me and you working. Um, but since then, McKenna has signed the new deal. Of course, it's old news now because we've signed a player and all the other bits and bobs getting out. But uh, let's quickly chat about that, Stu, because that's uh, massive news because he was linked with clubs and stuff like that, Celtic, Leicester. But um, he's staying, my friend, um, which was always going to happen. I know it was. Uh, but yeah, Kieran McKenna, new deal, my friend. That's, that's great news. It is, yeah. Yeah. The excitement will move on when Ipswich finally land a striker for for a few million pounds, and and other players will come in, and that maybe get forgotten about a little bit. But that that is probably Ipswich going to be Ipswich's best bit of business of this summer, whatever they go on to do. Um, Mark Ashton's kind of outlined the timeline of how how that worked. Sort of in the second half of last season, he said he on one of his trips out to the states to. To speak to the uh, to the ownership group, they started discussing it. They decided that they were going to offer him a new deal. Whatever happened, however, however the season finished, um, and then yeah, that Sunday after promotion was secured, I think after the Exeter game, they sat down and said, "Look, we want to reward you." So um, there was a handshake. There was a there was a uh, an agreement that yes, he would stay. Obviously, then Kieran went away on holiday, and there was a obviously a bit of paperwork and uh, details to sort out but it sounds like it was uh, it was never in doubt so while all those rumors of Celtic and 
and Leicester were swirling around. Um, yeah, behind the scenes, they were quite comfortable that everything was all good. Yeah. Super Kira McKenna, as we always sing. Uh, well, Stu, let's quickly mention um, the Itchy Time Women's team. They're, they've announced their retain list and their pre-season schedule. I want to quickly mention that. Uh, of course, there'll be no track to girls talk until you know pre-season kicks off for the women's team. They're actually back next week. Um, but yeah, retain list, some big um, departures. Anna Gray and Abby Lafayette um, have departed after their contract. And Frag Godfrey and Brooke Kearns, uh, low spells have ended. But um, yeah, Stu, that's... Two big departures are uh, as a person who maybe looks from afar because I'm the man who covers the women's team. You know, w- were you surprised to see that? I think that's you know the way you know we're still in the third tier. Um, and you know, some players want to level up and you just got to move on sometimes. Yeah, I, I looking from the outside in, um, I assume that is because there's going to come there's going to be some interest from coming above. Is, is, is that how you see it, Ross? Yeah, I think pretty much. Um, and sometimes, you know, like managers, they want to move on and go to a di- different direction with players. Um, and maybe he just feels Anna and Laugh that, that you know, that they need to move on to um, new, new new towns, new clubs um, and bring in some new players. And that's what I'm hoping. Um, because last summer we, we saw Paige Peak leave and then mm. we didn't recruit, um, which was not Joe Sheen and the, the club's fault. It's just... Um, different things didn't come into play. But uh, hopefully this year, they're going to be backed and they're going to sign some players and hopefully there'll be some sexy stuff on the women's side in terms of signings, just like the men. So um, look forward to that. And they've actually got a good pre-season schedule to do, actually. They've got um, two championship clubs, Crystal Palace and Cholton. They're playing Derby as well. Uh, they've got Loughborough. Um, they've also got uh, Sudbury in a behind-closed-doors game. And uh, well, they've got Peterborough as well at the AJ Arena. So um, some good pre-season games for them to get up and ready to do for their third year in the, the third tier. So hopefully it'll be a successful season for both men and women once again, my friend. Yeah, hopefully. It just felt like I hope that the sort of momentum doesn't slow down a little bit with the women's team. It felt like, I guess, maybe naively you thought it was just going to be sort of an onward march year after year. But um bit of reality check I guess over the last couple of seasons we've just fallen short with uh, with promotion Ipswich are not the only club that are putting a bit of money and uh, a bit more interest into the women's side of things at the moment there are other clubs uh, around the land trying to do the same so um, yeah I hope uh, this is the year finally they've learned some lessons from the last couple of years get off to a bit of a better start this time they were kind of catching and playing playing catch-up from that, that start last season, weren't they? So, um, yeah, fingers crossed they've kind of learned a few lessons and Joe can can replace some of the girls that have left and um, and it'll be a good one for them. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, there'll be a Track the Girls talk um, some point in July with good old Blue Wilson, the captain, who will be uh, hasn't signed a new deal just yet, but she'll be in pre-season training and um, we'll shall see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, Stu, um, another season ahead for both teams. Uh well, any other business, my friends? Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a nice week in terms of stories and news for, for us to cover. I know you've got a, a story coming out. Um, I've, I've cheekily looked on our website and uh, <laughs> got a little plug up about it. Um, looking at the last championship eleven, which uh, it's got some interesting names on that. Yeah, I thought it's four years on from Ipswich last being in the championship. Um, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a summer filler piece Ross if I'm honest just to keep things ticking over but a little look back at the team that lined up against Leeds on the final day of that 2018 2019 season a 3-2 win which sort of added to the feeling that uh, the league one 
tour was going to be fun and swift and they'd bounce back quite quickly. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out that way. So a little look back at some some players on there, some of some of whom you may have already forgotten about, even though it was only four years ago. So that'll be on our websites tomorrow morning. Tom, man. And also a great story you've done about Rakeem Harper's spell at town as well. So check that out. That's now online. But any other things you've got to work on, Stu? Anything that's coming out? Um, just looking forward to Felix though this Saturday. Yeah, always working the phones. Uh, um, yeah, it's an interesting time of year speaking to, to various people. It's, uh, yeah, every, there's lots of people with lots of different agendas at play in transfer windows. You'll have, you know, take the Ellis Sims one, for example. You'll have people from the Everton side of things briefing sort of media and journalists at their end with the information that they want out. Um, I'm not naive enough to know that sometimes the information that I'm being briefed is you're kind of getting used a little bit, inverted commas, to get a certain message out from an Ipswich end. Sometimes the truth kind of lies somewhere in between. So it's a challenge kind of separating fact from fiction. So um, we'll, we'll try and do that for you and bring you sort of hopefully uh, some some reliable news over, over the weeks ahead. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting summer on the transfer front, isn't it? After years, as I say, of covering kind of free transfers and, and loans and the odd swap deal. Um, it's nice that Ipswich are kind of competing at the top end of the championship for, for players next season. Yeah, indeed, my friend. I'm, yeah, when we, when the fixes dropped, that's when you know we were back, ready to rumble, and um, new signing in the door, players back pre-season. Just next up, Stu, is the kit and the first pre-season game, and then we are you know, on the road to championship games once again. Uh, well, Stu, Thanks for joining me, my friend. Um, next week, normal service should resume. Um, Heafy is back. Am I correct, Stu? Maybe I should know this. Should be. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to maybe, yeah, be looked after a little bit more. Definitely me, just to set myself. Um, but yes, Heafy will be back to, in the host chair and uh, we'll bring you another podcast next week. Um, if you're going to Phoenix, though, enjoy it. If you're not, um, follow the game with us. We'll be there covering um, it in all our glory. Um, as ever, um, shout out to our sponsors, uh, Manscaped, use the code KOA, you get 20% off and free delivery. And then, of course, all your Google SEO needs, Ginger Pickle is the perfect pickle. Tony Southgate and the team will help you out there. And also, follow us on our socials at Kings of Anglia, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the other bits and bobs. And uh, we've got our merch as well. If you want to don the Kings of Anglia hat, at Phoenix Star. I hope we see some of those. If you haven't got it yet, get yourself one. There's hoodies, there's shirts, there's mugs, there's other bits and bobs. Go to the merch store, get yourself some stuff. Um, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back for more content, more Kingsmanger content for you. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>